We are so grateful. Doug and Adele, obviously, uh, Claire and I wrote Spiritual Rhythms uh, for the Enneagram with Doug and Adele. It, it's been such a, such a beautiful pleasure doing life with you guys over these years. Amen. And, um, yeah, these guys are such a gift, so we're so excited for them to spend a few minutes just having a conversation with us today. So get ready to just listen for what God might say to you through these beautiful vessels and luminaries from God. Thank you. Come here. Thanks, man. Thanks. See ya. All right. It's always a challenge to follow one of Claire and Scott's introductions because they just keep growing as every year. And we do not. We do want to celebrate with you the growth and the perseverance and the wonderful ministry of Crossroads and are grateful for your faithfulness here. And it's always a privilege for us to join in. And we do give honor to Scott and Claire and the elders who have started and held this church together and all you people who have made it through COVID. And so we celebrate you and Give yourselves a hand because that's no small accomplishment. And we do want to acknowledge those that are watching online live or perhaps later on and you pick up the story. We we do pray that God uh, enables this to be a, a source of blessing for you today. So we want to invite you to think about your spiritual journey with us this morning. Um, We want to invite you to a journey that includes opening yourself to God and to becoming your true self in Christ. The topic today is imagine being you. And what we're looking at in that subject is realizing that there's a real you and there's a false you. And... In the spiritual journey, if we don't pay attention to both those natures, uh, we'll actually end up looking like that unicorn Christ. We'll, or unicorn, Christian. not Christ, sorry. Christian. Unicorn Christian. And so we want to talk a little bit about what that means. And I think it, part of it has to do with we can get stuck in behavior and react from a place of woundedness and... Um, just act like everybody else on the planet that has no reference to Jesus. You know, we can end up being uh, walking blind spots, and we can have hot spots that people poke us, and it's like, "Ah, I shouldn't have poked. And hot spots are these automatic default places of anger or judgment or withdrawal or criticism And a blind spot is something you think you do well, someone you think you are, that everyone else knows you don't do well, and it's not who you are. And the spiritual journey, frankly, is beginning to discover what those are and coming to a degree of clarity. Um, It's also a case of realizing just one of the reasons we invited that song on uh, uh, You Say, the idea was we often end up with this feeling of, I'm not enough. I want to just invite you to think about where in the last few days did you say, I'm not enough something? Do you remember a time like that? Man, I, or I, I don't have enough time. I, 
don't have enough energy. I don't have enough clarity. I don't, I don't have enough discipline. I'm not a good enough friend. I'm not a good enough mother. I'm not a good enough wife. Yes, you are. Yes. Oh, we you. want to clear that up right now. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you say, dear. Uh, but we do live with that little voice in our head, I'm not enough fill in the blank. And in our spiritual journey, we can, we can say, I'm following Jesus. I love God. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm not enough. And you're wondering, well, how can those be in the same sentence and paragraph and life? And there's a reason why, and there are helps for us in discovering what to do with that. There's also, uh, besides saying I'm not enough, sometimes we hear people say, that's just the way I am. It's not going to change. Get used to it. And that's about as far from the life Christ offers us as you can get. It's like a dead end. No growth, no future. Like it or lump it, this is me. So we want to talk today in this Imagine Being You about what the true and false self are. So here, but it starts with awareness. Uh, This axiom you've probably heard is there's no awareness or spiritual growth without awareness. And the definitions that we're going to be using for true self and false self are there on the screen. Uh, The true self is the person that God has created you to be, and you're invited to become even more as we follow Jesus Christ. And it's our inmost self, that place where the love of God works, And other people, just people around you, you can see it's their essence. And actually, one of the ways that scripture speaks of it, our true self is our glory. So when we glorify God, all we're doing is talking about God's true character. And when we live as light and salt, that's our glory. That's who we are in the person of God. And the false self? Well, it's just do that part. Just do that part. Yeah, we'll get to it. Can you read that? <laughs> no, but I know what the false self is. I've lived with it long enough. Um, the false self is that ego self that puts you at the center so that you are self-referenced and everything is about you. I, I know a lot about that space. It's not the real me, but I'll do anything I can in the false self to put me at the center and have you think about me the way I want you to think about me. Think about that. That's the false self. I want you to think about me the way I think about me. So the next slide is about uh, the spiritual growth of awareness. Uh, basically, you can't. what you don't know, you can't change. What you don't know and recognize, you can't offer to God for transformation. And so part of our ongoing concern as pastors and spiritual directors is there are a lot of people walking around following Jesus, and they're totally unaware that their shirt's unbuttoned, their fly's down, their slip's showing, but they think they're fine uh, because they're a Christian. And they don't realize there's some discontinuity between their inner and outer selves that they haven't yet addressed. And that's what we're looking for. And this was what Jesus often indicated in his teaching. He would say, have you really heard me? 
can you really think about what I'm saying and what it's going to mean to your life, that there's consequences and interactions? And just the notion that if we're going to know God, we have to know ourselves. And if we're going to know ourselves, that will lead us to knowing God. So we want to give you a a biblical example of one of the disciples who gets into his false self, his old nature energy. And we're going to start um, with the Last Supper. And the Last Supper, Jesus says to his disciples, which I think is, you know, last minutes of his life, what do you want to say? I have many things to say to you that you can't yet bear. The Holy Spirit still has many things to say to you that you can't yet bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, you will see. You will have eyes to see and ears to hear. And the thing we're going to discover in this passage in a moment is that we live all the time with entrenched narratives about ourselves where we are the center and default habits and patterns that flow out of that narrative. And that narrative and those patterns are the very thing that Jesus has come to redeem us from. Mm -hmm. The truth that we need to be set free from, or what the truth will set us free from, are those very things. We want to give you a couple quick examples from our own journey in life. So the disciples have narratives that we're going to run into, but we have narratives. I entered our marriage with the narrative that I was a great listener. I could ask good questions. Uh, I was attentive and um, constantly sort of focusing on you. And then Doug came along, and for 25 years, he said something that didn't fit that narrative. He said, Adele, do you realize how much you interrupt? And I would always say, no, I don't interrupt. Denial. Then I would say, if you want to jump into a conversation, you know, go right ahead. Which is sort of blaming him. And then I would say how much I loved being in conversations and rationalized it away. So for 25 years, I refused to hear one simple little truth that came from the person who knew me the best and loved me the most. No eyes to see, no ears to hear. And then when Lent, I try to lean into practices that the Holy Spirit can use to change me. I decided to give up interrupting for Lent. That didn't go very well. And I found out how often I did interrupt and that what I was listening for was how I could say something that would make other people look at me and think I was wise or funny or smart. I was not listening to them. I was listening for me. So she's totally healed, I just want you to know. (laughs) Sort of. (laughs) So. right. As it turned out, about that same period of time in our marriage, she would uh, rather infrequently, no, frequently, be saying to me, why are you so angry? I would look at her and say, I'm not angry. I I hadn't yelled. I certainly hadn't hit her. And ipso facto, I am not angry. So... I might have had a jaw that looked like you know, Mount Rushmore, uh, and I had the X-Men's eyes that were, you know, I, I should have had my you know, protective lenses on. But thank you, Jesus, I was not angry. 
Because for me, in my own little narrative, angry was bad. And I wanted to be good. So, since I was good in my own mind, I couldn't be angry. So whatever you all are seeing, I don't know what your problem is, but me, I'm not angry. Well, it took, again, the mercy of God. And as it so happened, it, uh, not just because we're here as a walking advertisement for the Enneagram, but I was listening to the Enneagram. And I listened all the way through it and then listened again. And at one point, I just I, it suddenly dawned on me, I'm angry. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus be praised. The truth will set you free. That's right. I try to help her in her spiritual life as much as I can. Um, and it, it, op- it, it changed our relationship because I suddenly realized how things came across in tone and stiffness that I was completely blind to, literally blind to, and all the attitudes that were driving that behind it. And so it became this transformation point about who I was and who Jesus was inviting me into. So we both had to change our narratives. And this is a healing thing, to put your story in the bigger story of Jesus' life and to see the narrative change. So you have these long-term narratives, but you also have very short-term, what do you do when somebody pokes you? What comes out of you when you're poked? So just a couple weeks ago, Doug and I were walking and we had this conversation and I was thinking, oh, we're doing so well. We can... We can have these conversations and not trigger each other, and it's very sweet. And so I turn to him and I say, well, what do you personally think about X, Y, and Z? And he gave me this very theoretical answer. And we're walking along, and I stop, and I look at him, and I say, you didn't say one thing personal in that answer. Would you like to put it at the volume you actually said it? Because I think it was a little louder than that. (laughs) No. And I I kept walking a little bit, and I turned around and said, well, how was I to know what the exact parameters were of the question that you asked me and what you wanted from me? And right at that moment, I realized what I did when I was poked was I poked him. He poked back. And I turned to him and I said, do you see where we are right now? I am defending myself and poking you. And you are defending yourself and poking me. And we had a moment where we could just say, let's start over again. Let's redo that conversation. And it took about 20 seconds to create, because we've been practicing We've been partnering with the Holy Spirit to change these automatic default sinful patterns that Romans talks about. I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. We've been working on that with the Holy Spirit. That is where the false self appears, and you can just write it off, well, that's the way I am. But you can tell that the way I am hurts people. Mm -hmm blocks the love of God, thwarts the work of your Holy Spirit. So when we had these default narratives, part of our whole walking with Jesus is learning what does it look like to offer those up, to realize that that false self-ego is just a facade that we've constructed. 
It might have served us well, maybe a little bit at the beginning, but now it's a prison that prevents us from really experiencing the life that God would have us. And so we are inviting our, by the Holy Spirit, inviting us out of, and that's why we'll, in, in one passage in Ephesians, it says, we want to put off this old self, this old false nature that's just wrapped around me, but not around God. Allow the Holy Spirit to transform us and put on the new nature that is given to us as a gift by God. We don't have to force it, but there's a collaborative partnership there that we are invited into. So we want to quickly go to Pete. Do we have enough time? Yeah, we want to look at the gospel passage in Matthew. So Peter has an interaction with Jesus that reveals that he has a very strong uh, internal hustler that's filled with his ego. It's his false self. Right before this passage, he's recognized the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. So the Spirit is at work in him too, because Jesus says, this has come to you by the Spirit. So right next to each other, true self, false self. And Jesus tells the disciples that he is going to let go of worldly success and surrender to great suffering and death. Now, you know, that's not the disciples' idea of what the Messiah was going to do. And they were hoping to get something out of following Jesus, like end up in Jerusalem in his cabinet when he sets up his kingdom and then they can be VIPs. That's the false self. I'm going to get something out of that. And so Peter resists what Jesus says with all his force. And he says, this must never happen to you. And the amazing thing for me is that here, here Peter has lived with Jesus, and he can't hear the truth. He doesn't have ears to hear. He's a follower who can't hear. And so Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For where's your mind? It's not on the things of God. It's on you, on the things of men. You need to be important. There you have it, the true self, false self living right next to each other and the invitation to a transformation process. Now, we like to think of transformation like of, hey, I'm going to go take a class. I'm just going to add this stuff to my life. I'll be all better. But Jesus goes on to say, he turns, you know, right after this comment, he turns to the disciples and said, okay, here's the deal. This is what transformation looks like. If you're going to come follow me, then you're going to have to deny all of those ways that you've been looking at yourself. It isn't deny who you are. It's deny this fantasy of who you are and your whole narrative. And instead, go through the cross. You're going to have to die. And then if you die, come follow me and you will have life. And then he basically reveals the economics of the spiritual kingdom of God. If you Hold on to what you think everything ought to be. That's exactly what you're going to get. Nothing. If you lay down everything that you are clinging to and instead cling only to Jesus, you will get the fullness of life. So we love that phrase, I want the abundant life of Jesus. But the reality is, the only way we get that abundant life is through abundant death. And that abundant death happens over and over, day in and day out. 
want to list a few of the obstacles that we get in transformation and then just a quick uh, visual illustration for you. So one of the things we come up against when uh, we think about being transformed is that I'll never be able to change. That's resignation. I I can't. Or rationalization. We've mentioned that. That's just the way I am. The religious false self is a great partner here because it says, you know, I'm going to pray about that, dear. I, I know I may have a little anger, and I'll pray about that. You know, which is just like changing the channel on the TV or something. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything, really. Uh, and it doesn't cost me anything. Sure, I can pray about it, but I'm not going to change. Or we can say, you know, hey, man, that's just the way my family was. And, you know, how could I help? We, we were allowed, you know, boisterous family, and therefore I have permission to do that. Nah, it doesn't really cut it. And finally, there's just poke somebody and you get their reactivity. And they'll say, well, I can't help it. You just set me off. You know, it's not about me. It's about you. And this reminds me of an illustration because I've heard Christian leaders say, this is me. I, it's the way I run this church. If you don't like it, you can see the door, right? You can see the door. And this default autopilot reminds me of something like an electric wire because you an electric wire transmits a current and whatever charge you put in over here comes out over here you put in a big charge you're going to get a big charge out here so an electric wire uh, when I act like an electric wire Doug pokes me at uh, say a two and so I poke back at a three and he pokes back at a four and we transmit this toxicity and junk junk to one another. <laughs> another way of saying that is the false self calls to the false self. If I come at you with my unhealthy self, I am going to trigger your response in your false self. Whatever it is, it could be fight, could be flight, could be, you know, get in a cave, but I've, I'm going to trigger you. And We all know that isn't going to bring about the kingdom, the love of Christ. That's not going to manifest that. And so there's another way that we want to suggest that Jesus models for us, which is a water purifier. So Jesus constantly resists the automatic default instinct to give back in kind. No hatred for hatred, no curses for curses, no jealousy for jealousy, no anger for anger, no murder for murder. Jesus, when he spoke, sends forth living water. He is able to hold what is coming at him, like a water purifier there, and take out all the toxins and impurities that are in it and send forth living water. So if you imagine, the next slide, that this notion of having from the Holy Spirit streams of living water flowing from us... uh, If that were the gift it's supposed to be, it would be, you know, bubbling water along the way. Uh, But what Jesus did at the cross was take all of our false self, sinful nature, ego-driven junk and cleanse it so that what comes out is the life-giving nature of Christ. And in the spiritual transformation, the only way that can happen is if we are partnering with the Holy Spirit for transformation. We have found in our own journey that we need help with that. 
that we can get stuck in our religious false self and just our own life patterns and habits. And we need the body of Christ to help us with that. We need the word of God. And the tool of the Enneagram in the hands of the Holy Spirit becomes this huge mirror that says, can you see this? Because this is you. This is you on your worst day. And this is you on your best day. This is your glory. And this is your false self narrative junk that people are living with. And what does it look like to transform into the person of Christ so that we can love with our head and our heart and our gut? So we hope you will go to the Enneagram workshop that's coming up. We have a spiritual practice that Adele's going to lead you into, and it revolves around an image that Adele is going to explain. So the beginning of the Old Testament... Testament, the beginning of the New Testament, begin with the stories of two women. And this uh, icon is a picture, sort of, of the conversation that might happen between these two women that kick off the Hebrew Scriptures and the Gospels. And so I'd just like to give you some time to look at it, to consider the narratives, where they might not feel enough, what is going on, what they're saying to each other. So just take a moment to look at it. And then just around your table, just share, if you would like to, what you see, and if you don't, Want to share, that's all right. Just keep looking at the icon instead of one another. So just take a moment to share. There's a lot that this icon could say, but I want to leave you with one thought. That the beginning of this story starts out with a rent in creation that fell out and impacted us all. There was a no to God that became a default no for many of us. I'm not enough, and God is not my friend. And Mary begins the process of fulfilling God's word to Eve. Through your seed, I will crush the head of the serpent. Genesis 3.15. And the rent in creation starts to be stitched up again through one teenager's I will, I do. No, I won't. Yes, I will. God worked even in sin, to bring redemption. And so there is nothing that he can't redeem and change in you.
So you can keep that icon there. Um, some of you have seen other renderings of this, but Adele has written this icon. She's an icon writer. She's done many. And the addition of the cross in this icon as a tree is so powerful to me today about the work of the cross and, um, and Mary taking uh, you know, her hand and putting her hand on the Christ child um, and the removal of shame um, by the work of Christ. And so um, Adele does, uh, you know, make her copies of her icons available. If you want to let us know, we'll take down your name and give you the ability to, um, to keep that as a way to remind yourself that the truest thing about you is the Christ in you. The truest thing about you is that Christ has delivered you from sin and shame. The truest thing about you is sometimes you need the gaze of another person to call out the truest thing about you. And that's really what next Saturday's retreat is about, is we, um, in fact, by the way, what you don't know, this is session one of the retreat. We kind of snuck it in on you. And, um, and what we want you to know is there is a way to live in the fullness of God. Um, you know, Connie Worth painted that. That icon for me so many years ago. I love you, Connie. Thank you for painting that for me, writing that icon for me. And um, it's something that is in my prayer room that I remember deeply. So what helps you become your true self? Um, you know, some of you can't come on retreat next week, but I just want you to look at your, your schedule and say, what is my soul worth? What would it profit me to gain the whole world but to lose my soul? And the truth is, is that we need time to be aware of our awareness, to remember ourselves in God so that um, we can be uh, becoming ourselves as God intended. So, um, so retreat looks like this very simply. We'll give you a passage or an icon. Um, we'll, we'll give you, then we'll give you space to consider it. Um, we'll give you time to walk on the campus. You don't have to talk to anybody from the time you get in till the time you leave. It's an introvert's dream um, because it's not, a, it's not an interaction with anybody but you and God with guided ways for you to open up to the work of the Holy Spirit in your lives. So next week, 9 to 1, you're invited to come. And it's a pay-what-you-can or pay-what-you-want retreat, so just know that there's no financial um, trouble there at all if you'd like to be here. And so can we just say to ourselves as we are leaving, what would it profit me to gain the world but lose my soul? What would it profit me to walk around in this world and not know the truest thing about me and be able to live from that place, letting rivers of living water flow. All this pain I wonder if I'll ever find my way I wonder if my life could really change 
stay seated. All this could all that is lost ever be found? Could a garden come up from this ground? You can light a candle, you can fold your hands, you can lift your hands. Beautiful things you make beautiful Let's thank Doug and Adele once more.